0: All right, my people, we are back, and we got we got quite a bit to discuss tonight. So we just gonna get right on right on into it. Well, war on the street is, of course, like I've reported a couple times. Uh, Trump is not getting along with Iran. Uh, recently, I would say uh, over the weekend, Hassan Rouhani, the president of the current president of Iran, sent out some statements. And uh, what he basically, you know, said was any U.S. attempt to incite Iranian nation, the Iranian nation against Iran's security and interests would backfire. So it would be, un, you know, be unsuccessful. It would be, you know, a waste of our time, which it would be. I don't think we need to be concentrating so much on what Iran's doing unless Iran is coming in. Uh, You know, dangerous contact with us or they're, you know, bothering us. But it doesn't look to say from what he's saying, it doesn't seem like, you know, but from what I'm getting, it's more so referring to U.S. involvement involvement in Iran's affairs as opposed to uh, them going out and attacking America, you know, at least at this moment, things could change. He does get into it a little bit deeper with his next quote, though. America should know that the price that the that peace with Iran is the mother of all peace and war with Iran is the mother of all wars. Now, I take that again as not so much. at Oh, and again, he he goes on to say, Mr. Trump, don't play with the lion's tail. This would only lead to regret. Now, from the outside looking in. What I get from this is, again, I don't see where he's threatening America or threatening American citizens per se. But what I get is if you if what I from what I can see, what I'm gathering is if you mess with his country, he's going to protect himself and his people. So I don't have a, 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 a qualm with that, because like I said before, I think uh, whether it was Obama or George Bush, uh, especially George Bush, we had no business in their business in Iran or Iraq's or Afghanistan's business. Uh, the fact that we in their business is particularly for their uh, uranium in the case of Iran and, and and their oil. And in the case of Saudi Arabia, I'm not sorry, not Saudi Arabia, but Afghanistan it was for their poppy fields and also their oil. And I wouldn't be mistaken. I wouldn't be surprised if Iran, ran if it was something else, too, but definitely oil. So, um That's basically what I what I gather now, Trump, on the other hand, of course, he's going to take it. He's a blue blooded American and a red blooded American or however you want to say it. He's the big man in town. Of course, he's going to take it a different way. This is what he says. Never, ever threaten the United States again or you will suffer the consequences, the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. And he made sure to put that in. First of all, the whole message, the whole tweet was in caps. And this last part, be cautious. You know, they put an exclamation point on it. But again, as an American citizen, when I hear a line that when I hear when I hear a political pundit as a Hassan Rouhani, uh, he's saying here on his on his 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 line here. U.S. attempts to incite Iranian the Iranian nations uh, the Iranian nation against Iran's security and interests would only backfire. As a citizen of the United States, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't feel threatened by that because we, should, as a U.S. citizen, I don't feel we need to be in their business in the first place. But since we want their their precious, um, you know uranium and other other things amongst other things we're going to be all in their business but i don't feel like that's a threat i don't feel like anything he said is a threat i think what he's telling trump is to leave him and his people alone trump more than likely uh he's not going to do that and he took this to offense and so will any other conservative uh if anybody made a, a clear threat it would be Donald trump uh he said that they will suffer um the likes of which that nobody has suffered throughout basically throughout history. and He told them, be cautious. I, to me, that's a direct threat. Um, they will suffer consequences. Although, like I said, nothing that Rohani said, in my opinion, maybe I, you know, this is all this is all, you know, uh, this is all perspective. This is all perspective. Uh, I feel less threatened by this statement than some like I like I reported last week with Miss Maria Butina from Russia, a Kremlin agent being in our country, infiltrating more than likely our NRA. That's what I have problems with. I don't I don't have a problem with Rouhani protecting his country or 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 having the best the best interest of his personal country in mind. Sorry. Try again, Mr. Trump. That doesn't work for me. So I know what he might be trying to push, but I'm not buying it. I know I know the, the less, the, the, you know, the less red people. They're going to probably jump on it and say, oh, he's definitely from what I read from this statement here. I'm sorry. You know, maybe the maybe I'll give you this. The, 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 you know, the peace with Iran is the mother of all peace and the war is the mother of all wars. Hey, that line, he was feeling himself just a little bit. I'll give I'll give you that but as far as feeling threatened no because i you know i just i nothing that he said was a direct threat to American citizens or to an American, to the American people, or to the American establishment. However, the Russians, I'm going to keep saying it because this is real. You got them already. They they hacked the Democratic National Convention servers. And like, I'm going to keep pushing, pushing. You got another. You had They just caught another Kremlin agent. Come on now. This is not I'm not making this up. So I'm not worried about. Iran right now, maybe down the line, ten years from now, they might pose a threat if they really want to do that. That's their choice to do. As of right now, I'm not threatened by that. If anything, he's mad at Trump and not mad at me. So Trump, you handle that. Whatever you have to say. And of course, he's gonna. And see, see, if you really want to take it there, see, I don't get Trump. And this is why I'm like, dude, you 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 want to tweet? Dude, who the fuck tweets all this shit? If you don't have a fucking WWE style promo, I mean, come on. Get get on a get on get on TV or something. I'm not trying to look online. I don't first of all, Mr. President, I don't have a Twitter. So I'm not even I don't even hear half the bullshit you say half the time. Get on the TV like a regular guy would do and talk your stuff so we can understand you know, forget all this. Tw- I'm trying to. I don't Twitter. I don't got time for Twitter. I don't see you older than me and got more time in the world to be on some Twitter. I don't get it, Mr. President. What are you doing? I, whatever. How? See, you spend all the time on Twitter. Now you got somebody infiltrate. You you caught somebody infiltrating your your political side. See, I don't get it, Mr. Trump. But you tw- You typing all day. You tweeting all day. Mr. Mr. Fingers, what's going on? Talk to us, please. Jeez, D- I mean, I, I all and all the other, and any and any and then when you know you start jamming them up about this other stuff, then he sends out his white ring pundits out there, his little Alex Jones, and all they do is diffuse the situation by talking about Obama and and migrants in Europe. Like we give a damn, dude. Let's get to the point, okay? Explain to me what are you gonna do with the people that? Infiltrated your government. What are you gonna do about that? I don't give a damn about you beefing with Iran. Let's get to the point. Stop. Oh, and guess what he's about to do? Guess what he's about to do? He's about to cut from food stamps, y'all. That's the big show. That's the big news. He ain't trying to tell you. Oh, oh, wait a second. Told you. Hey. Okay. All my conservative buddy. Oh, he's just. No, I don't. I really don't want to hear it. They both fine. And they, let's admit it. If Hillary's bad, this guy's a joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. I, maybe I'm too harsh. Whatever. I'm trying to figure out, oh, the unemployment rate went down. We've been working since Obama was president. A lot of us. So what are you talking about? The job rate went up for black people. Oh, black people decided to, to apply for jobs. Is that what it is? Don't tell me that. Because I'm about to be very disappointed if that's the case it wasn't like we didn't have the opportunity to work don't tell me that shit so anyways we got some more news we got some more national news and this is you know this is you know the way this country is 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 playing itself out i don't see you know and everybody said i had you know even a close friend of mine he said, uh, one good thing that will come from Trump is that we'll be revealed to all these these evils and these injustices. And I'm trying to sit there to, to myself. Well, we, we've been seeing this throughout our lives. We've read about it in our history books. We've already know the injustice was here. We knew it's here right now. We knew it's been here in the past, whether you're black, Latino, whatever have you poor working class gay lesbian we've already seen the injustice what more do we have to what more do we need to be revealed to us okay here's a situation in clearwater florida a young brother by the name of marcus or excuse me marquise mclaughlin was shot and killed at a glass a gas station excuse me over a disagreement over a handicapped spot okay this young brother, he's he has a kid. I think he had a couple kids. One of the kids with wit was with him while he got shot. And this is the problem, you know, in this type of society that people don't want. This these are the these are the two these are the things that people don't want to talk about. And I and I'm going to talk about one more thing tonight. And y'all gonna have to bear with me in terms of this news. Y'all gonna have to bear with me tonight. We got to talk some things. I gotta you know, and I'm gonna have to let y'all in on some things that I don't like right now. Okay. Anyways. Um, The young brother was shot by this man named Michael Dredka. I could have mispronounced that. Sorry, you know, but of course, this was in Clearwater, Florida. So if you know anything about Florida in general, it should bring your memory back to Trayvon Martin. Uh, And this is this is the same situation in which this law will apply. The stand your ground law. This is a long time ruling law in, Florida, uh, law in Florida. I think it's a racist law. I already I already see it. This is an excuse for these white people to get away with shooting us. Y'all can say what you will. You can say what you want. And you're going to the, in the police in the in the county. D.A., they don't give a fuck and they're going to go along with it because that's their law. This is what happened. Um, there's, there's video evidence of this. Uh, the brother, his wife, okay, you know, she messed up or his girlfriend, baby mama, however you want to describe her. Uh, she, she was, uh, parked in a handicap spot. Of course she wasn't supposed to be. Uh, Mr. Draco, uh, the shooter, the murderer, Let's keep it like it is. It's murder because he's a bitch. First of all, we'll get into that. In a sec- he's a punk. He's a he was a fat ass punk who can't fight. But let's get into that in a second. OK, now his wife, you know, parked in the handicap spot shouldn't. And, I, and if I if you know, hey, I probably knowing, knowing, just knowing the situation, she probably says something that sets some stuff off. Okay, this is where the brother comes outside, defends his wife. And, you know, maybe he was wrong for pushing the man to the ground. But I'm a man. okay. if another man puts his hands on me, I'm going to fight him first. What this man, this white dude did, it was a coward move. The first thing he, he sits there and you see him, he sits there on the ground like a punk and then pulls out the gun and starts shooting. Dude, you a bitch. Somebody pushes me on the ground. I'm fighting them back. And if it if it gets to the point where I might really be dying, then I might have to. The man pushed you on the ground. You're a he's a punk. He's a pussy. He's a put, That man is a pussy. He pride fight in fighting. schools used to get punked all day by white kids, black, all type of kids, because he never learned how to fight. Came out the car, all out of shape, all weak. got knocked down by a push, and then had a shoot. He's a he's a punk. He's a motherfucking punk. I'ma say it right now. It ain't about being racist. He's a pussy. He's a pussy. I would never let a man just push me on the ground while I look up to him before I decide. Oh, I'm gonna shoot. He's a he's a he was punk. And he's he's blessed. He's in a state like Florida. And my brothers and sisters in that state, y'all need to be getting some congressional representation to get that law. out. That's law. Fuck. See, we and we and we too busy trying to get people to be aware. Fuck the awareness. It's time to change the laws. Fuck awareness. I'm done being aware. I'm done trying to get people to be aware. It's not about being aware. It's about doing something about it. Now, also over the weekend. Got a young sister, 18 years old, stabbed outside of the bar tree. Another white punk. And this is not to make it a race thing. I know the first thing people are going to say is, well, how can it be a race thing? You're so quick to make it about race. Well, let me tell you something. Black people account for how many murders in this country? Let's be honest. Let's, be, let's keep it lit for quite a few. For the most part, we don't kill white folk. Somehow, whenever white people decide they wanna do something bold and kill, they always end up killing black folk. This this and you can sit there and argue this is this is the truth. Dylan Ruth. Am I lying? Waffle House. Am I lying? Was this a lie? these all this must be fake news. And this is why I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check a lot of motherfuckers right now. All you black apologists, get the fuck away, get the fuck away from me. Cause I'm going to start talking shit about y'all. I know it seems petty, but do not. I don't want to hear until you know exactly. The, I don't want to hear this. This this can't be about race. Let's not make it. I don't want to hear none of that apologist bullshit. You coming off like a house Negro. I'm, I'm going to call it like it is. You're coming off soft. You're coming off scared and you seem weak. I'm going to say it like it is. I'm going in tonight. It's disturbing it's disturbing it's disturbing don't say bottom line is it was murder now we can sit there and call it a hate crime now or later if we want to we want to try that's fine i think it should be i think it should be he had no business stabbing nobody if it's done out if it's done randomly like it might as well be a hate crime and and we and see this is what people keep trying to try not to say he was a member of the proud boys and if you didn't know they were supposed to be the white supremacist group that was supposed to show up which they which they really didn't they got one or two of them they always get jumped i they, i I, I'm, I really really what i'm starting to see is these white supremacist groups or whatever they'll come out in these all white towns or they'll come out in the city where it's you know mostly white like a like somewhere like charlottesville that's where they'll do their little damage they can't even they get beat up by their own in Portland and shit. I don't buy them motherfuckers, bro. They soft as hell. They here for the show. And a lot of times is this is why y'all keep trying not to be involved in politics and police. This is how house. Niggas, y'all need to be careful with that type of mindset because that's what protects them. That's why they are able to do what they do white supremacists are in your police white supremacists i wouldn't be surprised if it was a setup because i'm gonna tell you like this y'all remember about two or three months ago how they was talking about they gonna put all these different cops on the trains for 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 what reason to make sure motherfuckers had tickets just to make sure people they was gonna put bar police on the trains. now now and it irks me because as many times as i've been harassed by bar police bothered just for walking through the bicycle gate. Even though I was given clearance to do so by the fucking Bart people themselves. Here come this old bitch ass cop. What are you doing? Do you have a. T- Fuck you. That's why we say that cops. That's what you. And you don't under, You'll never understand. You can sit there and say what y'all want. We saw it on national TV, on local TV, how you hog-tied Oscar Grant and still shot him in the back of the head. The movie tried to edit it, but we know what happened. Let's not play games. They wanted to do that to be nice and not incite nothing, but that's what happened. That's what they did. They hog-tied him and they shot him in the back of the head. Somehow, these armed killers, that's really dangerous. Y'all keep taking them in. I'm sorry, man. See? I, I, am not, I'm not a fan of that, and, and all that apology, that apologist shit, that, oh, let's not make it, no, 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 you shut the fuck up, it's murder, you don't need to say nothing, if you ain't got nothing to say, really, to the problem, then don't, don't say nothing, don't, you don't get to talk, I'm done with all that, I don't want to hear none of that, don't say it's about race, don't make it about that, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know, we're not out here, attacking these white people like that and i'm not a saying i'm not even saying we should and this is and this speaks to the realness of black folk that's why i know it's race bro it's race related through all these white people put us through we got guns and all that shit now gangs all that we still kill each other more than we kill them so i don't want to hear all that it's not no ra- it's racism they don't like you and this is why more than ever it's time to end all that bullshit that we all about that's all i'm gonna say and I'm going to leave the news on that. We can talk later about that. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with the sports. I got to I got to even out a little bit. We'll be back, y'all. All right, y'all. So we back. And we're going to get into this NBA And uh, Carmelo has accepted the uh, $27 uh, $27 million buyout from the Atlanta Hawks, and it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to sign with the Houston Rockets for a one-year $2.4 million contract, so he's going to make some decent money this year, and he's going to play again great. And uh, pretty much the role that they, they got for him already, he, they will plan to use him as a small ball, power forward, and somebody who could uh, stretch, the, stretch the court. I'm not 100% sure if they're going to use him as a starter just yet. They haven't. Um, well, they lost Trevor Ariza, so it more than likely might be the case. I don't know if that's his thing, though, but we'll see. Uh, they they, they said they're going to put him at the five, which will be Interesting. Um, I'm not too well because definitely they want him to use they they uh they want him to isolate a little bit as well so he can get if he can get back into his iso iso mode then he might be okay but um that's pretty much what they have him here that's what his role is gonna be pretty much again I'm not a hundred percent sure if he's gonna be a starter although I'm leaning more to the yes side uh, because they lost Trevor Ariza. Um not too sure who they get at uh, who else they can bring in. Especially since they wanna they haven't, um if I'm not mistaken, they haven't re-signed Capella yet. Uh so it'll be it'll be pertinent, uh, that if uh, well, I'm not even too sure what Houston's next move is. So again, um I just pretty much know that that's gonna be his role. So he's gonna probably be, like I said, a small ball power forward. Um you know, it's I, you know, it's hard to say. I guess you know you would you would compare you know he's not going to be doing exactly what somebody like a Draymond Green would be doing because he would be considered in my opinion a, a small ball power forward. Um, he definitely has more range I think than Draymond Green, but I don't I don't know if he I don't know if he still has it in him to get to the paint and do all that. I don't know if he still has those moves like that. Maybe he does, and just Oklahoma City didn't use him right. We'll see. And I know he's pretty much a liability on defense, and we're talking about a team that already. Had suspect defense really? Although they 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 played a little bit out of their element in the playoffs, meaning more so you know more so up to their outside of their potential, they exceeded that a little bit. Without a reason, though, I don't know if they are able to do that. They definitely would need Clint Capella though, uh, at least to have to have some rim protection. If they if they, they're not able to keep him for the long haul, it might not be that great of a plan now. And as you guys, of course, know, uh, Dan Tony coached Melo in NY And this is an interesting situation because they really didn't get along so much in New York. So it's it's funny to see him rot back in the future in a whole different situation. So it's that'll be interesting to see. Um, definitely. Um, let's get on. Oh, also, also, um, just before I forget, uh, Kawhi had his physical today for the raptors i think he cleared i'm not too sure if he cleared it we'll cover some more we'll get more into detail with that tomorrow but also kevin love he signed a four-year 120 million dollar extension with the Cavs. he's pretty much set there well i believe he has a fifth year option as well so he's pretty much set to be the man after LeBron is gone that's what that tells me uh he's averaged 18 uh points 11 rebounds so far in his career 15 points basically 10 rebounds in the playoffs uh last year he went hit uh 41.3 uh from the f- from the three point range so uh there's definitely some value of course i guess in this game that's what they saw and they're going to keep him for uh, a little while longer to help them out uh often in NFL your man, Todd Gurley from the L.A. Rams, has signed his four-year extension with the Rams. The deal will be worth $60 million with a $45 million guarantee plus a $20 million signing bonus. He will be the highest per year salary. Uh, this will be the highest per year salary for a running back. And uh, you got your man already from the outside in, uh, Le'Veon Bell, saying, you do you, bro and they basically i think he went on to say they thought i was crazy no they do think you're crazy because you want to be a rapper too and you're not even committed enough to show up and work out really so and i think they 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 felt much comfortable the rants feel much more comfortable with Ty Gurley than i guess the steelers feel comfortable with you so it's not that it's not that that you're crazy in terms of thinking your value is that high which to an extent, it is. However, I don't think they trust you enough to pay you. That's what that shows me. Mm. So it's more so, in my opinion, it's more so an indictment on Le'Veon Bell than it is the Steelers. Sorry, you're going to have to show up next year if you really want those millions, bro. Just saying. No more rapping. No more rapping. And uh, finally, for the base, for sorry, for this football news, we got Baker Mayfield, the rookie uh, first, a first-round pick. He finally signs his contract with the Browns. It'll be a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. He will be guaranteed thirty-two point sixty-eight million bucks, and with a, he has a twenty-one point eighty-five signing bonus. So he's getting paid. And in the case of all Cleveland quarterbacks, I hope he's he's ready to play, and he has a good insurance policy. He's going to be on his ass a whole lot this year. Joe Thomas, he's retired a year. He's already lost 50 pounds. Poe Browns, Poe Browns. I don't know what to say. They just, they are the can't get right of the NFL. I'll leave it at that. And finally, uh, we got Lamar Jackson, um, Jim Harbaugh, and this is coming out of Ravens' uh, camp. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, of course, like we pretty much probably already knew, he's gonna go with your boy Joe Flacco as a starter this year. However, he does say that Lamar Jackson will be in the in the in the rotation. He will he will get some snaps this year. Uh, I believe uh, his main quote was somewhere along the lines of, uh, "Somebody with this much talent can't." Uh, can't be on the pitch, something like that. But apparently he's definitely going to be uh, involved. They didn't really, they really didn't re- reveal too much into, into how they're going to involve him, but more than likely, they're going to try to run him around a little bit, put him in different packages, which is fine. But I hope that you really tr uh, training, training him to be a quarterback as well, because that's what you drafted him for. And, um, believe it or not. I mean, he can't do that all his life. So eventually he is going to have to be able to throw that ball. So, You know, and believe it or not, you know, don't get me wrong, I I do like the pickup. I do like the fact that they drafted somebody new, somebody who can bring a little bit more in there in terms of excitement and just what they can overall do with the ball, given the right coaching. But I don't think, I, I think it for the Baltimore Ravens struggles in general, it really wasn't so, I mean, I think some of it you can blame on Joe Flacco, but. You know, in reality, that's not a real complete team. This is a team that's been missing one important thing, and um, through all the throughout the years, they've been able to you know make moves on defense. Of course, they lost Ray Lewis, but they were able to get people like Elvis Dumanville. They've drafted C.J. Mosley, who's a solid defender. So they've come across good defensive players. I think they've they either had or have had um, Gene Upshaw, a solid defensive end, uh, defensive lineman, or outside linebacker. Uh, so they've had they've had defensive guys for years, uh, you know. Of course, they're off their, you know, their offensive line has always been great. They replaced Jonathan Ogden a few years down, um, with Urschel and guys like that. Even Michael Orr, who played there for a few years, he, you know, you know, for what it's worth, the drama with the movie, he still remained a consistent starter, and he definitely did his job in helping the run game, um. And that leads me to my point again. And they've had great run, they've had great tight ends, too. Uh, they, they've been able to – they were able to replace um, Shannon Sharp at one point. They had Shannon Sharp at the tail end of his career. And they got Todd Heap and then Dennis Pitta. So, you know, I think the main issue that they've always had in, in terms of being consistent has always been a running back. They do not – they haven't had a running back since Jamal uh, Lewis. And they've been looking for one ever since. They had – They had one, a solid one in Ray Rice, but Ray Rice thought it was okay to hit his girlfriend, which is not okay to do. And nobody here condemns that. I'm sorry, nobody here condones that. So, um, you know, he got himself in the situation and, you know, he's no longer in the league. And I thought, you know, that could have, you know, if you look at you know, what got them there to the Super Bowl. That's part of what got them there. You know, uh, they didn't really have standout wide receivers in that Super Bowl year, if I'm not mistaken. They had the defense, and they had the running game, and they had Joe Flacco making plays when they counted. And I think in all reality, you know he can still do that. But if we're gonna be throwing the ball ninety eight times a game because you can't really run the ball, then I think it'd be difficult for anybody. I think the Raiders had difficulties with that, uh, certain points last year. Um, Marshawn Lynch wasn't don't get me wrong, I didn't I'm not gonna say he was a bust. He definitely got his yardage. But um, you know, I think in this league you need to be getting at least three, four yards to carry. Definitely pushing the pylons, especially on first uh well pushing pushing down the field, especially on first down. And uh, you know, you see a lot of times when that doesn't happen, you'll see teams start wanting to throw the ball a little bit more. And you know, these corners are a lot better. You know, these secondaries are a lot better. They're scouting line uh linemen, especially specifically pass rushers, for that job. So that's what you know, and it, it just plays into the defense's hands. So you have to have something that you know offsets every Thing. And until they get a solid running game, which I think they're, you know, they have a they have a running back by committee situation right now, which could work. But everybody has to stay healthy and everybody has to know their role. I believe Terrence West is still there. So they'll have they have something to look forward to. Um, they definitely like I said, they've always had a great defense. They've always had solid defenses. They've always had. Decent broad receivers, and they've had good tight ends. They really have, they really have honestly had good tight ends and also good offensive line play. The thing about it is they're going to have to be more consistent offense uh, in terms of what they're able to do. More balanced. This, I'm not sorry. Sorry. Not even so much consistent. More balanced. They, they need to be able to move the ball down the field, either passing or running the ball. And uh, until they're able to, and hopefully when Lamar Jackson develops, he can add a definite Wrinkle to that. And I think that's what they're trying to do because that's really what they're suffering with: moving the ball down the field, running the ball. You know, and I, like I said, when you when you put that much pressure on your quarterback because he knows he's going to be the, he's the driving force of the offense. Sometimes you do put that extra, and I think that that is somewhat extra pressure on added on Joe Flacco, and and over the years he hasn't been able to maintain that level of of, of performance that people wanted to see because, you know, teams know teams know what they're looking for, and you know you got to play against the Steelers twice a year. Come on now. You know, and in the Bengals who who have a defense as well, they might not always uh have a complete team as well, but they're definitely going to come at you on the defensive side of the ball. It's hard to do, so i I get where the, I get where Harbaugh's coming from. I just hope he doesn't forget he has a quarterback and and remembers to help him develop his passing skills because eventually he's going to be given that torch hope that and that's the hope and he just becomes just an athlete you know I hope they don't try to switch him up. To a running back or something down the line or whatever, which I don't think will happen. But anyways, we we'll gonna take uh, another break. We'll be right back, and we're gonna get into some college football. We're getting uh, we're getting close. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna preview the season a little bit. We're gonna talk about some coaches on the hot seat, and also we're gonna go through my quick top ten. Uh, we're gonna preview some other stuff we got some we got going on for college for, in terms of college football for the next couple of weeks. So we'll be right back, and uh, yeah, y'all stay tuned. Alright everybody, we back, and like I said, we are getting near that time of the year, one of my favorite times of the year, it is getting near the end of summer, which is unfortunate because that is my favorite, that is my favorite season, but uh, it's my favorite times of the year because of college football, if you guys don't know, this is one of the main things I'm into, I definitely like the NFL, definitely like the NBA, I'm getting into hockey and even soccer even, but College football is the shit to me, and so we're gonna uh, we're gonna be covering a lot of stuff uh, up until the season. Of course, we're gonna get through all the scores and stuff when the season starts and everything, and all the headlines. There's a lot more headlines, of course, can going on while the season is going as opposed to right now. Um, tonight, what I have for you guys, are a couple, things. I have a top ten for you guys, uh, and I also have I got a hot I got a, I got a quick hot list of. Uh, Of coaches on the hot seat actually so we'll get through that and uh, what I'm going to start doing and I'm going to try to get through this uh, before or right around the time the season starts I'm going to go through all the college football conferences at least the main conferences uh, in Division 1 at least so that means uh, Big 12, Pac-12 SEC Conference USA uh, Sunbelt as well just going over the conf- going over a conf- quick conference preview, who's in the conferences how how good they were at least in terms of their history kind of the last couple of years, and where I think they're gonna land this year um we're gonna get through all that predictions of course who's gonna go to the who's gonna go to the playoff, who's not so on, and so forth, like I said tonight, we're gonna start off with that top ten though, and I'm gonna call it the fate top ten at least until uh, and I'll and I'll definitely have a top twenty five too by the time the the season starts. But I I'm gonna do a fake top ten, and I'm gonna call them the fake top ten and top twenty five respectively, until at least week week four. Uh, just to, just because I feel like you know, all throughout the year. Now the college football season ends in January. That's when the national championship is played, usually on my actual birthday and my thing is from that from at least a week later i'm always seeing these top 25 and of course they're going to tell you to be funny about it they're going to tell you it's a too early of course it's way too early top 25 but i think they're a little bit unnecessary because nobody's played yet and there's no real way to really rank people but this is my top 10 it'll probably be similar to the other top 10s you'll see actually maybe a little bit different but I'm kind of basing mine on how they finished their last game of last season. Uh, what I, what information I was able to extract, basically on how their offseason has been going in terms of recruiting and so on and stuff like that. And uh, I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I'm gonna break down the pros. Maybe well, not a little bit different, but for the top ten, I'm gonna break down a little bit of the pros and cons of each team. And uh, let's get right to it. Uh, we'll start from number ten. Uh we got Notre Dame. I put Notre Dame here uh on account of for their for their good death. And they're also bringing back a, a quarterback. Uh, they're bringing back Brandon winbush, and that's good to have with a good, uh, solid depth at wide receivers. Um, this will pretty the wide receiver position will pretty much be what takes them over the top in terms of how well they do. And I'll also give them of give them the benefit of the doubt of having a manageable schedule. Their two hardest games this year will be. Uh, Michigan that's their first game of the year I think they host Michigan and I do believe that they might even be hosting USC as well so a very manageable schedule they got Bannon built on there they also got Wake Forest so they got a lot of winnable games I could see them very well dropping two games like I said um, and this is why these these top tens are so hard to do, because unless they're somebody that I really feel that could go undefeated, I don't even see why they would be uh, ranked here. You can actually look at Michigan. You can look at Notre Dame schedule right now. And although I say it's manageable, there's two losses. I'm not saying that they're definitely going to lose in Michigan because Michigan, it it would actually be a good a good uh, game for both of those teams to kind of see where they're going to. They're gonna be at. So again, that's a manageable. I would even say that that's a manageable game. And then also USC. So maybe they just get one loss. Because I, I I don't know if they can beat USC, especially if that game is going to be on the road. And um one thing that I do see with them though is that they had to replace a couple holes and not just one, at least two holes on the offensive line. They let a two, they they let a tackle go. Um, and also, I believe a guard go as well to the draft. So they're gonna have to replace those two positions, and that's important on the offensive line. They definitely, and, they, and I'm not mistaken, yeah, because they're our first round draft pick, the Raiders' first round draft pick was their left tackle. If not, yeah, so they're gonna definitely, my Raiders, yeah, my, my Raiders took their left tackle. So they're gonna definitely have to fill up those holes there. And that's one thing I will say about them that might hold them back a little bit. That's just why, like I said, you know, I'll have a better idea, and I think, you know, and of course the media and the coaches and whoever else is, you know, and the that playoff committee who decides the seedings and who's gonna go to the playoffs, they'll have a better they have a better vision of this by week three, four, or five, even. Probably even week five. Get some conference games going in. You'll get a chance to see really just how good these teams are. But anyways, let's get back to the top ten. Don't want to drop div diverse too much. Number nine, we got Auburn. And I think um they definitely have a solid shot this year they are they are already the sec uh winners of uh west winners last year they were able to get to the uh sec title game although they lost to auburn so we know that they can they can beat alabama on any given day so i'll give them that and they're also playing washington early washington's also in my my uh top uh 10 as well There are a few spots ahead of auburn but I like Auburn's game with them early in the year. It's a, like I said, it's a good chance to definitely see where both teams are at, although I feel Auburn is the favorite. Washington will already pretty much be at a specific place, though, in terms of the rankings, so it'll be a good win for Auburn. I'm pretty certain they'll be ranked, uh, Washington will be more likely. Well, I don't know if they'll be ranked higher. Um, some places will have them higher. I have Washington ranked higher, but because of that, I feel like a win against them will also whether where they're at in the top 10 early for Auburn or even for Washington, but I think it would definitely help out Auburn's put itself out there because again they could definitely beat Auburn and there's a good chance they're a, I'm sorry Alabama and there's if there's a chance they beat Alabama there's ah, they got to win the SEC at some point so this may be the year. Now, uh with that being said, and oh and they're also get uh, uh bringing their quarterback brags Uh their quarterback um will be coming back for them. So that that'll be a a good uh, Jason Stidham will be coming back for them, their quarterback. So that'll be good. But with that being said, they're losing, losing their leading rushers and their leading defenders. So, again, that game against Washington will be a good test to see where they're at. It will definitely be a booster for them up until they face Alabama. So, and, and um, you know, again... The uh, Alabama game, that could be a loss for them, especially with them losing their leading rushers and defenders. And you don't know what could happen at the title game if they get there. But they're either going to get there or they're probably going to drop at least a game to Bama. And one thing for them is, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to be playing Bama and Georgia on the road. So that that does hurt that, that you know, that's, those are difficult journeys to make. So definitely, you know. They definitely got something to worry about as well, too. Now, number eight, I got Penn State. Now, they're bringing back their uh, offensive coordinator, Ricky Rand, who pretty much, uh, who, yeah, who helped them out. Uh, in there get their uh, fiesta ball win and also uh, James Franklin is doing a good job recruiting and you know if it's not this year then it's gonna be soon where they're gonna be taking over the well they're gonna be doing pretty well in the Big Ten uh, right now uh, I think one thing that could be holding them back is they're gonna have to replace uh, Saquon Barkley and they're also gonna and, and one thing I wanted to highlight is they do have a quarterback, Trace, uh, Masterly, and I think the big issue is how is their coordinator, uh, coordinator, excuse me, Rand, going to uh work with him? Obviously, they, uh, from what I'm hearing, is that they have both uh, different styles of offense uh, in terms of how Trace plays, you know, and how Ricky coaches. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, in terms of before I would, you know, before I get into the uh, the Big Ten and a, an overall Big Ten preview, I would say Penn State could probably finish third or, or second in the conference. It all depends on where Ohio State falls this year in reality. Uh, again, I have Wisconsin ranked a, a, a couple spots higher than them, but there's no guarantee. But We'll get into a little bit more of that. As to why, in a second, uh number seven, uh we got Washington. I told you guys about them a second ago, and I like them because they're bringing back Jake Browning nationally ranked quarterback in terms of his stats, definitely solid um definitely good to have like i said consistently in the in the quarterback position, and I like Chris Peterson as well. he's been the main reason why they've been so successful in the past few years. One thing that I'm going to hold back against them is that they do have to play an Auburn team early in the year. Like I said, Auburn is missing their leading rusher and defenders from last year. Uh, However, I'm pretty sure that they will probably be going into that game as a favorite. This game is going to be in Atlanta. It should be a charged up game. You know, if they lose, it sets them down a spiral because another thing that I'm going to not give them a knock against because I just have to be honest with you. I like the Pac-12 North. I think Cal has a shot to knock somebody off, get an upset. Washington State's been in the picture the last couple years. Uh, You got Stanford, who can take the table, who's liable to take the table, you know, underhandedly, low-key. And then you got Oregon and Oregon State, but more so Oregon. Um, They're bringing back their quarterback. They are – they're having a tremendous recruiting year. So definitely if they're not in it next this year, they're in the mix definitely in the next for the next couple of years. Uh Oregon has definitely already been pegged to be a dark horse in the Pac-12 North. Washington has a lot to look out for in their own division. So as much as I like them right now over Penn State and Auburn just in, just because of who they have especially in their coaching staff terms of their consistency, they haven't made any real changes in things like uh, coordinators, coaches or things like that. Or they haven't they haven't had any any big losses. But again, you know, I'll give them that seventh place because of that. But again, going into the year, do not be surprised they take a loss or two or three. Just keeping it real. Uh, moving right along, we got to number six. We got Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is bringing back their quarterback, Alex Holmbrook, uh, and also their running back, Jonathan Taylor. So that's always a good sign. Uh, also, they have a very easy early schedule. Um, they'll be able to get a couple early wins. My thing with them is can they beat the, beat the Big Ten? The Big Ten is on the rise. A lot of people are saying is a culture's conference. I'll have to see it. They're going to have to win a national championship, and they're going to have to have at least – two or three people in the top four for me to really believe that statement there, but that's what they're saying. And I definitely do believe that the teams are on the rise out there. We got Penn state already mentioned, I already mentioned, and then you got Ohio state and then Michigan, they have, they have Jim Harbaugh's there may, might be a, a a powder kick. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what to, to see from them. We'll see what they got when they face Michigan. That'll be an interesting game for them. So, Wisconsin, I don't know about their chances of making it to the top four. I think they suffer at least two losses this year, but that's just me. Hey. Um, number five, we got Oklahoma. Now, I'm definitely going to get the benefit of the doubt because they're in a conference where a lot of teams are building. Texas has a new coach. Uh, he's going into his second year. Uh, you also got um, Baylor, who I believe is bringing in a second-year coach. Oklahoma State, they're gonna they're gonna give you whatever. Kansas and Kansas State, we can already wash them out. Uh, you know their biggest thing right now is that their quarterback Kyrie Murray struggled in the spring game. Uh, the biggest thing now is to see how he progresses, how he personally progresses, and see what he can do, but. They're definitely in a winnable conference. The question is, is I would have to look more into their uh, their non-conference schedule, and I'll get to uh, more into that deeper as I do a Big 12 preview. But um, mm, I definitely again, I think they can win the conference. I don't know where they finish in terms of the top four. Again, I don't think that's one of the that's one of the teams that that can make it. I, um i think they drop one of their non-conference games if if one of them happens to be big again i have to go through their schedule but um i see them at at, at as right now they're definitely number five team though team that's looking on the outside in um also at number four we got ohio state now i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt i have an urban meyer He's one of the premier coaches in college football the last 10 or 15 years. If anybody's going to get his team to the playoffs, Ohio state specifically it's going to be him. I have faith in him. They also bring him back, bringing back a solid defense that can uh, consist of another Bosa, Nick, solid tackling family. I, I think defensively they're, they're going to have one of the best defenses in the big 10, maybe even nationally. Now wh- my thing with them is they're breaking in a new quarterback. There's no guarantee of how he plays out. And actually, they haven't even actually decided on one yet. It's a it's a battle brewing right now as we speak. Um, one has one. Well, apparently they have their starter, but uh, definitely there's going to be more competition at fall camp, which means they're not. My opinion, they're not a hundred percent sure with who they have, and that's not always a good sign. And um, and like I said before, in, in terms of Penn State, they're gonna have to deal, and Wisconsin, they're gonna have to be, deal with a better Big Ten conference. Of course, you got to deal with the first two teams that I mentioned, and then also Michigan, and he also got Michigan State and Iowa as well. That could potentially be upset type teams. So look out, guys. Um. You know, there's a lot of people I need to look out this year, and I like it. You know, and I and I think it keeps parity, and and this is one of the few places, believe it or not, where there is some parity, even though. Well, I I think you know, Bama earns their spot. The, the top teams do it eventually earn their spots. So and that's what I do like about college football. So on to the top three. We got uh Clemson coming in at number three, of course. And they got Travis ATN coming back, the running back. And he and this is a good thing because he's already a, a Heisman candidate. So you know what he has his his capabilities are. You know what he's willing to do and um they're also bringing back their defensive coordinator however they are mm, they there is some polls they need to do they do need to fill on defense and they're going to be breaking in a, a new starter at quarterback but he's a five-star caliber recruit so with trevor lawson's uh yeah, Trevor Lawson, excuse me, or sorry, Trevor Lawrence, excuse me. So they should be, they should be solid. They should be actually be solid. I, I think they win a division, honestly. Um, Florida State, they're bringing in a new coach. Um, their recruiting class is solid again. They probably won't be there till next year or subsequent years. That's just how recruiting goes. They're not going to be necessarily solid right away, but you get that that those classes some time, you'll start seeing how how good they are. Um, I don't, and I think Miami is is in a quasi rebuilding situation. So again, I gotta go with Clemson on there, and uh, round it out. We got number two. We got Georgia. I'm going to get in the benefit of the doubt. They got Jake Fromm coming back and they got a solid recruiting class. Kirby's doing his thing. Again, this is another team that has to fill holes on defense. So we'll see how that goes. Um, They definitely do have to play. If I'm not mistaken, they do. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not too sure if they have to play Bama. So they definitely have a manageable schedule. They will be playing Auburn, though, but they will be hosting Auburn. So that should be an interesting game for them. That should be a telltale game for them because I pretty much think that they should run the table in the SEC East. Again, I think the SEC is one of the most inferior conferences Outside of maybe maybe Georgia, but uh, they are one of the most severe inferior, uh, inferior divisions of college football, in my division, but they should probably be the winner of that. And they should be facing the number one team that I have, at least as of today. And that's Alabama. And I'm giving it. Strictly to them because on the strength of what they've been doing the past few years, and of course Nick Saban, there are uh, there are questions though because this is their uh their third D defensive coordinator that they're bringing in the last three years uh I'm sorry the past four years It's the third in the past four years so that's gonna be interesting um but again if anybody knows how to handle it of course it's been Nick Saban he's been winning the championships you know can't help it can't Mm can't fight that. All right, y'all. So, we're going to take a quick break. We just wrapped up the top 10. And I'm going to get through these coaches, these hot, this hot seat real quick. We're going to talk about a few coaches that are going to have to win now or they're done. All right. So, we'll be right back, y'all. All right, everybody. Let's get into it. Now, with every sports season, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, you always got your coaches that are on the hot seat. Cosh football is definitely no different. And they're more so stricter about their about their, their culture progressing than a lot of other places. So here's a few cultures that um if they don't get something together going now, they don't get something going now, they're done. Now we're gonna start it off with uh Cliff Kinsbury. He's a head coach at Texas Tech. Now, he's been there for five years, but has an overall record of 30-33 and 33 and 16-29 and, 16 and 29 against the Big 12. Now, mind you, you know what I just recently said about the Big 12 before, uh, especially when I was talking about Oklahoma, you know, kind of running roughshod. And Texas Tech is one of those reasons they don't really put up too much resistance. And it's a shame. A few years back, they had a coach by the name of Mike Leach, who's now at Washington State He does a lot of the similar things he does in Washington State that he did in Texas Tech. He emphasized the air raid offense, uh, throwing the ball around a lot, spreading the ball around, Uh, not a whole lot of running, but definitely could pass the ball around the field. And he was responsible for bringing Michael Crabtree into the league pretty much. Uh, But ever since he's left, uh, Texas Tech has has suffered a little bit. And the Big 12 is a winnable conference, which is why I feel – um, if Cliff Kingsbury definitely doesn't get his stuff together, he's pr- he's he's gone sooner than you think. Uh, he's a former quarterback there. So there is some ties there. There's some love there. Uh, but last year, they finished six in the conference with a six and seven overall record. And they went three and six in the conference. And again, in the conference, that's winnable, in my opinion, you know, by any team. So it's, it's an offense first conference. Uh, some defense depends on the team. Um you know, more times than not, you'll see Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas when they're really on top of the game. If you go back to the early two thousands, about two thousand five Vince Young years, they had solid defenses. But every now and again, it gets to be a wide open offense, uh, offensive uh, co- conference, and in my opinion, it's 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 winnable. And they haven't been close to, you know, even sniffing at a title since he's been there. And uh, also last year, they lost to South Florida in the Birmingham ball and the Birmingham ball. And, and, you know, you, in, in college football, you have um, your playoff now. Back in the day, in the, during the BCS, you had these specific ball games and uh, you were playing the national championship. It, all, it would all be based on where you place. But to make a long story short, um, what I what I mean to say is the ball that this playoff game or this postseason ball game they played in was not really, um, you know, it's one of those low lower tier ball games. It's not, you know, not to say it's not important, but again, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's one of it's at a stadium where nobody's gonna see. Uh that's not gonna sell out, excuse me. Uh it's not a it's not a game that's gonna be more likely broadcasted. So again, you know, he gets the team is getting, not getting a whole lot of exposure. Uh the team is not witnessing a whole lot of success. And like I I'm gonna keep saying it, the Big Twelve is a it's a winnable conference uh by just about any team. I'm sorry. Uh, you get somebody who can put up almost 45 points a game and they're challenging in that conference. It's that easy. And he has the offense to do so. And I do think he does have the offense to do so. But he again, you know, you're going to have to play some type of defense, too, or you're just going to get, you know, you know, you're just going to lose by even more points. And that's usually how their games go. Uh, they usually end up putting up fifty-five points. Only to have another team put up sixty or seventy on them. They'll put up forty, forty-five points. To have a team put up fifty or sixty-eight points on them. So that's just that's just the difficulty of living in the in the or playing in the Big Twelve. And you know either they're gonna have to have defense or they're gonna have to have some type of um, great offense to counteract that. But like I said, he's a former quarterback there, so a a ball game, uh, at least getting to a ball game might save him for another year. So he might be all right. Now another coach we got on the high seat We got Mike McIntyre of Colorado Now he recently won the Pac-12 South Uh, the Pac-12 South Division in 2016. He did end up losing in the uh, conference championship game to Washington that year. But last year, he uh, regressed significantly. He only won two conference games and failed to even reach a ball game. As is already coming from a team that's already struggled. Of course, he's had his struggles to build his team, to get his team to where they were in 2016. So, to have a fall back year like that, it definitely puts you in the hot seat. And if I You know, in all reality, you know, he's definitely on a short lease, meaning if he doesn't get it done last year, they're going to probably take into fact fact what last year was like with him only winning two games and just the struggles in totality and kind of let him go. Uh, Because at some point, you're going to want to see some improvement. And again, the Pac-12 division, I'm not going to say is completely wide open because you have USC that's solid. But it's definitely a winnable division. Again, UCLA is not where they once were. You got Arizona, who's not, you know, who's not as great as they were. Uh, Arizona State that'll put up a bunch of points on you. But again, they'll allow a whole bunch of points on, will allow a whole bunch of points. So they're a a beatable team. Uh, Utah Again, they've had they've had better years, but again, they haven't won the conference uh, set maybe once or twice, maybe uh, the division. I'm sorry, maybe once or twice. So it's definitely a winnable division. And uh, again, when you're in those easier divisions and those easier conferences where you can't really get it done, they definitely look at you. And it's definitely, you know, those coaches definitely don't last long, to be honest with you. And uh, Mike McIntyre again. He's on his way. And last but not least, excuse me, we got David Beatty from Kansas. Now, he's only won three games in the last three seasons. I don't know why he's still here. I don't know how he's made it. And this is just continuing in trend since 2009 when they fired Mark uh, Mangino. Mark Mangino, uh, it was a a double-edged sword uh, for them because, you know, he took them to a ball game. Uh, of course, I think they lost. So they could have been to the national championship game. I think they lost the game at some point during that season. Couldn't make it there, but they got to a solid ball game. If not that year, then a year later, a Orange Ball, something like that. And this is a team that hasn't really been good ever um we're talking about a team i think that they produced uh danis Doublefield and i'm not too sure exactly how good that team was in that year i think he was drafted in 93 94 and i'm not even too sure how that how good that team was but i know he was somebody uh he's a defensive tackle hall of famer uh from the san francisco 49ers if you don't know who, who he is but that's about all they've been able to do um, and I'm not even too sure if he's a, 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 Hall of Famer just yet, but I know he's a, he's, he's definitely somebody, you know, if you, if you were to look him up, you, you know, you know who he is, you'll find out who he is. They'll tell you a little bit about, a bit about him. I know he's an all pro player, San Francisco 49ers, but, um, again, you know, and, and it sucks, um, because again, Kansas has had a history. You know, of always being a basketball school, there's a couple there's a couple football teams that are, that are out there, a couple football programs out there that suffer from that. You know, they have great basketball teams uh, looking at Duke, uh, Kentucky, Memphis. Uh, mm, it's a couple of them, definitely a couple of them. And Kansas is one of them as well. Um, great basketball teams, but n- historically never had any type of, of luck in football. And again, you know. This is, this is what Kansas has had to go through. They've had to go through a lot of win, uh, winless seasons, one win seasons, two win seasons. And this is just a pattern. I'm not too sure what it would take to, to turn it around in a, in a program like that. Um, we're talking about a campus that is in Kansas, is in the Midwest, is in the middle of, I've, I would say nowhere. I've looked up the city before. Very small town. I think about 11,000 people, uh, in, t- in, t- in total. So, it's hard to recruit unless that team is really good, so um you know i, I you know for their sake, they would have to get a football oriented culture or football oriented coach and um for the future uh, I definitely think at some point they will let david Beattie go uh, if I'm not mistaken they will may, they might even let let him go uh earlier than any of these other coaches more likely at the start of the season but uh we'll see we'll see how it goes um it's 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 definitely it definitely sucks because, uh, you know, like I said, it's just a situation where that team has never been that good. So it's hard to recruit. It's hard to get the best players. And then they, eventually when you can't get the recruits in college football. You can't get uh three. You can't get if you can't at least get three four star recruits, you're not going to be able to win a whole lot of games. So there you go. All right, y'all, we're going to take one last break and we come back. We got some baseball news and uh, we got some baseball scores as well. So y'all stay tuned. All right, y'all. We're going to wrap this up for tonight. I told you we was going in. We had a lot to talk about, of course. There's a lot going on. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Anyway, we got some baseball news real quick before we get into the scores. The Yankees uh, traded three minor league pitchers for reliever Zach Britton of the Orioles. Britton has 139 saves since uh, 2013, excuse me. And he has had eight consecutive scoreless. Well, there's been eight games that he's been in that have been scoreless uh, on his part. And uh, he's suffered. And this is and he's making Making the best of his time actually because he's only been playing since June 12th. He suffered a ruptured Achilles last year, so he's balling pretty much this year. Now he's been added to our Yankees pitching staff that includes Androidus Chapman and David Robertson, Sonny Gray. But overall, uh, the bullpen has a 2.7, uh, 2.75 ERA. And 448 strikeouts, which leads all leagues in base, both leagues in baseball. Again, uh, going back to Chapman and Robertson, they both have 100 saves, and this is a this is a crucial move right now, in my opinion. The Yankees are sitting at second right now in the AL East. Um, they are uh, second behind the Red Sox, of course. So they have they added a, another competent pitcher. This is great because well, this is good on two fronts. They might be able to you know, get them back in the AL race. Also, they're also number, they're also leading the wildcard race as well. You got the Mariners at number two uh, at this point. So at this point, they're getting the second spot. And A's at close third. Now they're eight and two in their, the A's have been eight and two in their last 10. So they're on, they're on the rise. So the Yankees needed to add something to that bullpen to keep it going out. They probably needed to add a couple of batters, but that's me. I would have got some points, but that's me thinking. Now, I turn back to the AL East a little bit. It'll be a little bit difficult right now because I'm just looking at the Red Sox trajectory. They they're seven and three in the last ten. Like I said, uh, you want especially in baseball basketball. Look at that those those last ten games played. A lot of times you want to check back. You want to see eight and two, seven and three, anything six and four and above. That means to, you know on that means the team is on the up and up consistently so I don't know if they'll be able to just looking at what the Red Sox have been doing I don't know the they catch the, the, the uh, Red Sox um but they definitely, because of that, they're definitely going to need it for that wild card. He was definitely a good addition to, to 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 keep that wild card because it looks like the A's and Mariners are going to fight it out for that last plate for that uh last wild card spot. And if the Yanks don't keep hold it together, one of them could take it to take that first spot from them. So that will be interesting. Um, you know you know I'm definitely rooting for the A's, but I just wanted to point that out there. Uh, this was the move that the Yankees did make today. Uh, but speaking of the A's, they were able to come out on top against the Rangers today, 13 to 10. Again, solidifying uh, they're one game behind for that second slot in the wild card. And they're one good, you know, they're one of their patented, you know, streaks away that they can go on. They've been on streaks before, so they're they're one patented A streak away from solidifying a wild card spot and maybe even a playoff berth in general. Outright, if the, if they can get their their shit together, I'm just saying you never know. Uh, I'm 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 a believer though. We got the Marlins beating the Braves nine to three. The Red Sox beat the Orioles six to seven. The Phillies were able to break the tie uh, with the Dodgers. They were able to win seven to four. The Twins were able to beat the Blue Jays five zip. The Yankees came out on top today four zip. Ooh, that pitching staff. I told you they already they, without without him without the without without Britain they won four zip. Hey, um, uh, the Padres win today. Uh six, uh six, to three. The the Padres are also in trade talks to get uh Sundergaard from the Mets. I don't know how good that's gonna work. They already trash. Good luck. Uh, Pirates, 9-4 uh, against the Indians. We got the Cars beating the Reds, 4-2. The Cardinals, I'm sorry, the uh, Diamondbacks beat the Cubs, 5-1. The Nationals lose to the Brewers, 5-4. The Tigers also lose to the Royals, 5-4. The Astros, the ALS leading Astros come out on top against the NL West leading Rockies, 8-2. The White Sox beat the Angels, 4 zip. The Giants, boo. The Giants finally come out. Well, final game of, the, of the, the Giants beat the Mariners, boo, four to three. But actually, yay, because you're helping us get a get a get a get another spot up. You know, get close to that uh that I believe it will be second place in the West, uh, the A O West, and that second wild card spot. So actually, y'all doing us some help. So I should give y'all a yay tonight. Yay, thank you, Giants. So this has been tonight's show. We I told you it was a lot tonight. We had to get through. I told you we was gonna come back Tuesday for this because there was a whole lot of news, a whole lot of news to cover. We will be back tomorrow though. Um definitely we're gonna be doing that uh college football preview conference uh conference previews. Uh I'll be starting with the Pac-12 tomorrow. This is my favorite conference and I live in the Pacific State, so that makes sense. I figured we do that. And of course we got the world on the street, so look out for that. And um uh, well, we'll just see how it goes. Yep. Or just whatever news I get, I told you, the news I get is the news I'm going to let y'all in on. So, we'll be back tomorrow, y'all. One love.